0: Sleep your headphones on I'll be your radio
1: And if you turn me on How would you ever know?
2: Now, this audio is a little rough. This is, of course, recorded from Balticon 2010, and it turns out that the H4 recorded more of the conversation behind us than us, so parts of it may be tough to hear. I did what I could to try to try to fix all of that. But if you'd like to hear more of the conversation behind us, feel free to check out Nobilis Erotica and Chris Lester's Metamore City.
1: SV uh, SV Lee Valley SV
2: Alley, Brand the Gamblin and the elf Princess.: Hey guys, Balticon 2010. We've got Christiana here. We've also got the very lovely SV. Alley. Oot Valley. <laughs> and obviously she's Swedish. and we've also got Mr. Brand Gambn. Yes. <laughs> Hello. <Lily. laughs> <laughs> whose name sounds like a really awesome Kenny Rogers song.
0: Or a spammer. (laughs) Or a spammer. First time I talked to a reporter, they actually, the very first question that I was asked by a reporter was, all right, now, um, what is your real name? And it took about five minutes. I ended up just saying, like, look, you want to see my driver's license? Because honest (laughs) to God, it's Brandon Gamble. That sounds even more. Isn't that you know, awesome? I, I was very
2: lucky there. Like you should be a character out of like Red Dead Revolution yeah, or something. Yeah. Redemption. Yeah.
1: Well, there was a revolution. That was the first one from several years. ago. Was that, that revolution? No, I thought. Re- yeah. Revolution. Oh, you
0: You know, you're right. You're right. I thought it was Grand Theft Auto.
1: Uh,
3: <laughs> now he just runs a casino. <laughs> no, I,
0: I remember back when they were doing Red Dead Revolver, and they said yeah, it was you're right. Theft horse. <laughs> that was, that so was well, their Red, big joke. Red
1: Dead Redemption is the new one. Yeah. Yes, which is, awesome. and I believe Revolver was the original. Oh, oh yeah, awesome. I love it too. Which now they've
2: got it. They've got the, the the genre perfected. They need to come out with a Briscoe County game. Oh. Huh? Yes. Yeah. I would love that. And I, I, I'm Damn. pretty sure Bruce would be able to help. Oh yeah. <laughs> What, you want me to do my voice? Sure, I think I can do (laughs) it. So, what makes you guys laugh? What do you find funny? Um, let's see. Very into the absurdist stuff. um, Don't. Which seems to be popular amongst intelligent people. Oh, why, thank you.
3: I just made mommy laugh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We are also joined by Elf Princess. Eating a big old bowl of ice cream.
0: Say hello. Hey! (laughs) <laughs>
3: um sarcasm i mean the sv stands oh, for sarcasm's really? voice so yeah get over it <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we're gonna
0: believe what? that
3: <laughs> but uh sarcasm irony and uh, usually situations where one person is obviously just completely ignorant or oblivious i, I think those kind of situations are funny so, so you
2: love the lambs morissette song huh?
3: and Alice, my mom I'm, i have no idea what you're talking about <laughs>
2: Oh, isn't that ironic? (laughs) I know.
1: Don't you think? I think so.
2: (laughs) It's like 10,000 spoons or something. When all you need is a sport. A bigger spoon? College Humor actually did a video. uh, The song's called Actually Ironic where they had the majority of the lyrics that Alanis Morissette sang, and then quickly the next verse is explaining how that would actually be ironic. And then they move on to the next thing, and then how that would actually be ironic. Which
0: would only work if I didn't have a knife. the other way around. (laughs) So, sarcasm, things like
2: that, that but one thing that we haven't discussed with anybody is uh, how
0: can religion be fun? Absolutely. From what I understand, literally the oldest recorded joke is religious. Well, no, that's not true. There was the, there was the Egyptian one. <laughs> there, there was an one written on an Egyptian pyramid that was apparently some version of... There was no man from Nantucket. Uh, but uh, from what I understand, one of the oldest jokes ever was... Uh, Let's see, it was on a border between two countries. A border guard uh, stops a Christian as he's coming across, and he says, "Uh, you need to pay the toll. The Christian says, what toll? He says, well, you've got to pay uh, $5 for every mule, uh, $10 for every slave, and $20 for every prostitute. And he says, I have nothing with me but forbearance, kindness, and charity. He's like, okay, so 60 bucks." Obviously not. Uh, Sixty ducats. <laughs> 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 but, um, but yeah, from well, that, I, I, I should. the Roman yeah, religion is like one of the oldest, and it's it's yeah. persistent. Uh, I think I think one of the reasons part. it's so persistent is because it's so easy to
3: do. Yeah. I mean it's it's one of those things that everybody who disagrees over it can always find the humor and just lambasting something.
0: One of the key elements to humor is making fun of someone's deeply held beliefs. <laughs> and you're not yeah, going to find much stronger than religion. Yeah, yeah
3: that's not going to
2: possibly gotta, face any repercussions I mean, or
0: anything.
3: It's, it? uh, it's not like that anybody go to war for their religion. <laughs> Occasionally, comedians <laughs> do get yeah, in trouble. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, with, right. well, with, right. right. well, well, with with because
2: you know uh, the, uh, the, the the um from the little bit that I know about the Lipcraftian mythos is that it's it's very religious based on the you um, know religion that Lovecraft um, created for that. And with, with your show, Calls for Cthulhu, have you ever felt a uh, need or desire to you know, attach religiousness to it or try to attack other religions in the form of Cthulhu? I,
0: I don't really like, well, alright, I've, I've tried my best to avoid two things, politics and religion, from the very beginning. Um, largely because it's it's not hard to attach it, it's really hard to detach it. Because, um, you know, we get get letters, emails coming in. People will ask for anything from please smite my sister to, uh, you know, I have followed you, what must I do, you know, that kind of stuff. When you get to the serious religious cult of Cthulhu stuff, you just have to step back and say, no, 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 it's a comedy show. Because it is very... Some people get very attached to it. And I've gotten so many. um,
2: uh, And I
0: don't want to say it's just Christian, but I do mostly get Christian angry uh, hate emails. And the general theme is, you are not a God, only the Lord Jesus Christ is our God. And I've had... I had to fight the Actually, impulse to say you were writing into a okay, felt con puppet con on YouTube.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so this
0: is this is comedy. We realized that, realize that there were jokes cool. all around it. There's you know, you gotta—it's just, prod, a, just a joke, and it's, it's, so you knows, we have to deliberately to try not to. Part. Now that said, um, we did uh, they, they we did a, a uh, have Zenit on the show. Uh just so, played so, Lucy Lawless, right? <laughs> Uh, the a this is the uh, Tom Cruise
3: actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Warrior Princess. Tom, Warrior Tom Cruise dressed as Zena.
0: We Tom did. Cruise Warrior Princess. <laughs> yeah. We did actually have Xenu at one point going, "You suck,
1: Cruise." <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, the uh, but we had the Scientology anti-god Zenu show up largely because and it wasn't because i wanted to go after a religion It was because it was one of those religions that's if you take it seriously is really asking for it it writes its own copy as it were <laughs> um if you read about it with the um what we what we found out in reading up was that it was almost taken part and parcel from lovecraft's version of cthulhu you have a uh, omnipotent being who is nonetheless trapped Beneath the earth, with an infinite battery, you know. And one day he will rise again. You know, he enslaved the uh, the human. He enslaved humanity at one time. I honestly do believe that Elon Hubbard was uh, cribbing off a of Love Lovecraft when he made the idea of Xenu. And so the the idea that someone takes Lovecraft that seriously, and that someone can make a religion out of something that is the same thing, just seemed too delicious. And it's not about Tom Cruise. And it's not about any of the Scientologists themselves. I wish them all a long and happy life. It's just the... And, and I'm not trying to jump on the um, South Park bandwagon either. of Just, you know, taking out religions for pointing out their foibles. It was just one of those things where actually this does tie in with Lovecraft. It does tie in with Cthulhu. And uh, after having uh, Xenu on there, he's become uh, a really popular character. To the point yeah. where when I've done episodes that didn't have him... People got angry. They they get angry when there's not a rapid-fire round. They get angry when there's not a rant. Uh, at some point, someone asks a question, and Cthulhu just goes off on them. And if you don't do that, they get mad. Um, and they get mad if there's no uh, Xenu. I mean, they're basically forcing a formula on you with, uh, because it's just that popular. Um, we've had a couple of religious questions... Mostly, though, I think everybody gets it, and uh, we don't get a lot of Cult of Cthulhu stuff. Uh, no, not seriously. We'll get people who write in claiming to be narrow for tech, uh, And those are fun. And I'll play along with that as much as I can. But, um, but in general, from a religious standpoint, it's, um, those are the only things that we've run into.
2: So- we talked a little bit about uh, about your show, but let's talk to Ali for a second. What do, you, what, kind of, what do you find funny? I mean, you mentioned like the sarcasm irony and, and stuff like that, but are there any any uh, comedians or television shows that you think particularly?
3: Louis Black is, Lewis Black is one of my favorite comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I enjoy the oh, Daily yeah. Show, but honestly, I prefer the the Louis Black segments. You know. Um, I, I don't like slapstick bodily humor, I, I, I don't like those kind of things, but I, I do enjoy the pointing out the obvious, and, and so um, Car, uh, Carlin, I really enjoyed his That's stuff. Fine. Um, Bob Hope is one of my favorites because I like the one-liners. I'm very much into the old-time comedians. I, I enjoy them a lot. Of course, they're not putting out a whole lot anymore, so you know it's it's hard to find that
2: whole dead thing. <laughs> that whole dead thing. It's of, a
3: drawback. Uh, well, except for
2: uh, except for Tupac. <laughs> He's the only one who seems to be, and Elvis, they seem to be the only <laughs> ones that are able to put out one. But so you like the vaudevillian set?
3: Definitely, yeah. Like, like George Burns? Yes. Honestly, though, George Burns I'm only just kind of getting into because for a long time I was almost completely unaware of, of his stand-up sort of stuff, yeah, so... So. Well, I, I came from a pastor's household, so until I got out of that, there was very little I was, uh, I was exposed to. So. so a
2: lot of the comedic stylings of the Gaither Band. And, uh,
3: yeah. Mark in- Lowry was the big one for Mark a while. Mark Lowry, yes. yes.
1: <laughs> what about uh, Mel Brooks? Or is he too I love Mel. No,
3: I love Mel Brooks. I, yeah. I, I think he's got a very good balance and blend. And, you know, I mean, what you can't get better than it's good to be the king. So, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So you don't necessarily like the slapstick aspect, but you you can attach everything else and really dig it.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's, he does he does great writing as well. I mean, it, it's um, I did you Mel BS yesterday?
3: Did you try to BS today?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I Mel Brooks is kind of up there with the airplane guys, the Zucker brothers, uh, because it's just like one after another. That was another thing that I noticed uh, in Ali's old time radio. The comedians like Bob Hope will do. I mean, it's jokes per second. It's just how many fast, real quick jokes, and they'll tell a story of these people just, I don't know, buying a car. But it's one joke after another about how cheap this guy is and how she only wants to put on makeup while she's driving and yeah I mean it is rampant sexist but at the same time you just got to sit back and go like, oh my God did they even bother writing this because it just sounds like they're throwing out one joke after another
3: but I think one of the great things is they were so they were so able to even poke fun at themselves because Bob Hope and one of his greatest jokes was can you move the card I can't read it
2: yeah. <laughs> a lot of those guys home the stuff that they would do until the radio on stage the touring, on the vaudeville sets of EOS year um, I've actually got a bunch of the uh, George Bernard mm-hmm. and Gracie and there's a website that has a lot of those things that are yeah. link to the internet archive
3: that'd be so. awesome i and love so to so see I'll, that
2: you have to remind me and yeah. i see if I can't track that down for you.
3: because I've got I've got the Cary Grant when he was on Bob Hope show I mean I've, I've tracked down that sort of stuff
2: yeah, well, uh,
0: yeah, I love the. Um, I have an, a, a perverse love for You Bet Your Life. Because it was one of those things where you can tell Groucho Marx is just tired and angry and and when you make a comedian tired and angry <laughs> it just gets vicious and funny yeah. uh, so, I'm
2: to yeah. clue you into uh, Jimmy Pardo never not funny um, he has he's one of the few people out there that is actually making money off of this podcast he has a lot of celebrity guests on uh, and, and it's its uh, he's a stand up comedian uh, he used to do warm up for Conan O'Brien uh, when he was on the Tonight Show uh, he's also hosted various television shows uh, but he does a live stage show every either every other week or every month at uh, UCB Theater in in California, in L.A. Uh, That's a form of You Bet Your Life. He also does a form of Match Game. He he does a form of some of these old classic uh, game shows. He does them live on stage, and he is is faster than Grouchy. And it's it's amazing because Groucho, I mean, Groucho was was the king. Everybody loved midnight. So Pardo just a little bit quicker. <coughs> and so I suggest people to check out Pardcast.com as as for Never Not Sleeping for Child.
0: Uh, what was that again? Pardcast. Pardcast. P-A-R-D-C-A-S-T. That should be fun. And the, the <laughs> show where you can
2: do a search for Never Not Funny, mm-hmm. Jimmy Pardo. And it's, it's a show that I t- And the, the, what he does is he sells, uh, basically you can get a subscription, I think, for 20 bucks for just the audio, 25 for audio and video. Um, so you know, separate downloads, you just want the audio, or you want the video and the audio together because uh, it's a talkie, and uh, and you get 26 episodes it's one full season they're about an hour and a half long uh, one a week and he also throws up a lot of the bonus stuff like the, uh, if they do a live panel somewhere or if they do uh, drop in some of the, the live stuff another one of the shows they do is The Writer's Room which is they have a stand-up comedian go out and tell them and then do their act and they've got some Hollywood writers over on the side, some comedic writers who Writers are, and they start writing jokes based on that person's act and then they give them to Pardo and he reads off the cards. And it's it's fashioned a little bit like Benson's interruption. Doug Benson interrupts people when they go off and do their what's their very first comedy set. You know, they're established comedians now, but they go back and find their uh, their original set that they did way back in the day, perform it, and then he'll interrupt them as they're doing it, making jokes based off of what their jokes are. Mm. That's one of the reasons why I really wish I lived in California. But anyway, um, so with the old time stuff, what would you say has been the biggest change in comedy from the, the classic vaudevillian uh, and comedians to what is standard now in comedy?
3: Well, if you had asked me that about two or three years ago, I'd have said, well, you know, back then they had clean humor. But now that I've heard it, <laughs> that's obviously not the case. They're they just better at recorded. hiding it. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. was
2: recorded because they couldn't get away with it on the radio, sure. That was cleaner with the classified stuff. Oh, yeah, jeez. Yeah.
0: There, um. is, there is a uh, sense, though, that things are getting, um, that it has to get mean. Uh, I remember seeing uh, something on Mad TV, uh, I think a couple of years ago, where they had some character who was on the show, and the character had to be a uh, crack whore. It wasn't enough that someone be a junkie now. You have to press that limit to... I mean, it wasn't enough that someone would be a drunk, now they have to be a junkie. It's not enough that they're a junkie, they have to be a crack yeah. uh, junkie. It's not enough that you're a crack junkie, you are a crack whore. I mean, and now... An I, I'm, I have not been able to track it. It just seems like it happened overnight. It just seems like it uh, happened But I don't think. It, I don't recently. think
3: it's just being mean. I think it's everything. I mean, it goes right to the blue humor. I mean, it wasn't that they didn't use it. But they didn't do it and, and and do it to the extent like even SNL has been doing that since like the seventies. They've been pushing that sort of blue humor limit for a long. Time.
0: Well, no, I'm not. I'm not arguing the nature of the humor, but the subjects that you pick have a certain level of intensity. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get a certain shock value, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's it's like the um, yes, hmm? thank you. It, it's like that uh, joke. Uh, the um, oh. The aristocrats. The whole purpose behind the aristocrats is to be worse than the last guy.
1: Mm Well, you know, I I don't mean to interrupt, but I think that's actually a perfect example, though, It's when it becomes. I mean, crackpot has become like a buzzword. It's like it's cliche. Extreme example, and so. I think it's used as a form of shorthand, but it also can be a form of kind of lazy writing, as opposed to the whole idea of skillfully telling the aristocrats. You tell something shocking but original and creative. Because right? if you just threw out words like cracker in the aristocrats, people who are like connoisseurs of the joke would just say, "Oh, that's." Well, see, that's,
0: that's what surprised me. I picked that one specifically because uh, we watched uh, I think about a year ago we watched the movie the aristocrats
3: and the cats were so cute <laughs>
0: Disney's the aristocrats um, and it was it was a combination a, a montage of some of today's most brilliant comedians telling their version of the aristocrats and a lot of it was just really great. A lot of it was original, uh, descriptive, disgusting. And then some of it was, you know, like like you say, it's cliché. They were throwing in, just throwing in crack horror. And, uh, you know, it's not enough to cut your finger. Now you've got to decapitate something. And uh, it, I, I was in a, a panel earlier, I wasn't in on the panel, but I was watching uh, Patrick McLean talk about the use of words. And he was saying that he hates people using the word fuck because it loses... I'm, I'm sorry if this is... I don't know what the... I'm going to have to get bleeped.
3: Now I rated R. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry
0: about that.
2: Yeah, you're not the first person to curse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: by the way, the little girl by now is asleep,
3: so... Uh, yeah, it's no. not happening.
2: My tires open.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, the... Uh, he, he said he hates the usage of that word because it's being used so much you can't shock people with it. And so, more judicious usage. And he says that when he uses it, he always makes sure to throw in a literary phrase right before that. (laughs) What an egregious fucking example, (laughs) you know? Because the word egregious is very literary, and then to have this uh, swear word right after that makes people really pay attention. Um, It's a little bit of extra punch because it's a surprise.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the fundamentals of comedy is that it has to surprise you. Um, that's why if you've heard a joke once or hear it again, it's not as fun because you know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. And when you have that uh, preceding intelligent word and then immediately used with, the, with one of the, the biggest slang shorthand words, it's like, whoa, it's like a full stop. Your brain is cruising along one direction. And, full stop with it that happened it's got that extra little punch to it mm-hmm. that it used to have uh, before everybody used it, you know the F-bomb as a problem
0: yeah as soon as this became the lingua franca you know and I want to say it's uh, cruelty or violence because there seems to be a lot of it but looking back on like what Ali was saying the, the old time radio stuff they were cruel and honestly they were more biting because they were using really great sarcasm um when someone's constantly self-deprecating and then they turn around and turn it on you it's it's more powerful um it's you know it stands out more and we don't seem to have that as much we seem to have two kinds of comedians there's the paula poundstone con- constantly making fun of myself and i am uh weak and silly and you know and irreverent and then you've got on the other hand and I don't mean to say this like it's a bad thing but you've got um, Louis Black who is just like whatever is wrong in this world it's your fault I don't know why you are not taking care of it you know (laughs) and so and it seems like we've got that polarization that wasn't really there so much in the old time radio Bob Hope make fun of himself and then make fun of the what was the girl's name I forgot
3: now that you're asking me I don't remember
0: I want to say Sally Balticon is often distracting.
3: Yes.
1: Well, I, I think there was uh, used to be a larger emphasis on telling jokes, even if they're about specific people or real things, mm-hmm. but having it be a joke with a punchline as opposed to, for example, a funny story. Yeah,
3: well, right. Back then um, it was a craft, too. I mean, you honed it. It wasn't just... I, I think comedians do that
1: today too but there's no question that there are comedians who kind of they take the easy path and, you
0: know. well I, I see what you're saying you're talking about like the observational humor Seinfeld kind of what is that what is that about you know and and like you said they do work on it I mean, or, at some yeah. point, Seinfeld had to stand up in front of somebody and say, this is ridiculous, and somebody laughed at one part and not at another, and he, he refined that. And even though he acts like I'm just telling this story of something that happened, he's told it over and over again until it got to where it was really good. Well,
1: and I think there, for example, you didn't have a funny situation that you are telling in a funny way as mm. opposed to telling a joke because they're not quite the same thing mm-hmm. and so I think there there may be increased emphasis on that I think though that there's there's always been good comedians and bad comedians to some extent we just don't know who the
2: bad old time comedians were because everybody's forgotten about them yeah,
0: yeah that's probably and and they,
2: they probably weren't as recorded and now everybody I mean hell we're recording this so a comedian oh, yeah. can easily do that. but with what we're talking about jokes there are so few comedians who go up and tell jokes anymore. Um, Mitch Hedberg was one of the, the last ones. Emo Phillips is somebody who does it. Uh, Jimmy Carr is one of the few comedians that is still working right now that actually goes up and tells jokes. Stephen Wright calls I was
0: about to say my favorite one is Stephen Wright because what he does, I don't want to say that it's completely based on the joke, but because of his delivery you have to be thinking and paying attention or you'll miss the punchline altogether.
2: Yeah, because he doesn't clear what
0: yeah. the punch is. And he makes it very clear that he doesn't care whether you find this part funny or not. Yeah, And and it's absolutely brilliant. Now,
2: observational humor, it's it's a different kind of difficult. It's easier than writing jokes, but it's a different kind of, uh, of, of easier. Because you can't just make an observation. You have to do something, you have to say something, observe something about the situation that everybody else has not yet. They can attach like, yes, they understand what you're talking about, but you have to make observations that are not the same ones that the audience would make because then all of a sudden you've lost the power because they can do exactly what you can do, so you're no longer special specialist in the So it has its own intrinsic difficulties that you've got to be able to to overcome, otherwise you're not going to be successful. The jokes aren't going to be funny.
0: Also, if it's something that they noticed on their own, why would anybody laugh? You know, I saw that, yes, I laughed at the time, but no, I don't get it.
1: Well, there's there's, I think I don't want to say there's only two kinds of laughs, but there's certainly at least two. And the two I'm thinking of, there are laughs of surprise and then laughs of recognition. And I don't think there's maybe some of stories There's the jokes or stories that are kind of like, isn't it funny how, where you know that would be a like laugh recognition where people say, oh yeah, that is funny. But those are more likely to be forgettable, I think, rather than, you know, you leave people to be expecting a certain thing and then just go completely
3: one direction. What was that, that movie? The, was it The Man in the Moon? Uh, that, it was about that comedian. Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he was definitely the laugh of surprise kind of comedian.
0: Well, when, yeah, when we, when we get into Andy Kaufman, that's a whole different kind of comedy. The Mighty
3: Mouse bit, I think. He, was he
0: wasn't trying... I honestly believe he was not trying to be funny.
3: He has said,
2: yeah, he's an on record about that he never
0: tried to make people laugh. He
2: was doing performance songs. But he happened to pick the only place you have that had an open mic, which were comedy clubs. Yeah.
0: What he was trying to do was to elicit a response. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I forget who said it. might have been you told me recently, it's easy to make people laugh. It's hard to make people yeah. angry. That
3: was Andy Kaufman, I think. It was him. Charlie Chaplin uh,
2: said anybody can make them cry, but it takes a genius
3: to make
0: them laugh. Mm. So, what you're saying is we need a cage match between know. Andy Kaufman and Charlie Chaplin. Oh, my
1: God. I totally <laughs> want to see this happen.
0: Robert Downey Jr. and Jim Carrey in character gets the beating the crap out of each other.
3: We, we are not, not advocating, advocating violence. violence. <laughs> I
1: mean it's Andy Kaufman did the whole wrestling. Thing. That's right. Yeah, so exactly. he's got a
0: well, he's only got a, a lead on him if he thinks Charlie's well, he have a girl.
2: Like on roller skates. Yeah, but Robert Downey Jr. is pretty like a girl. Aha! Uh-huh. He's a very pretty man. Don't
3: don't don't go after him. He's he's too hot <laughs> to go
1: after. Him. <laughs> See now I'm just stuck on imagining this whole
0: <laughs> well, see, I was thinking about you, you said there were two kinds of laughs the one uh, from surprise and one from observation. And I, I suddenly got stuck on something that really did happen. We were at a mall uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, and we were getting on an escalator. As we were getting on there, you know, they had the little trademark stamp on the floor, uh, the metal floorboard. And the trademark read Schindler. And I just start laughing, you know. I'm in a line. We're all getting on the escalator, and I'm just stopped there laughing. And everybody's looking at me, and I'm going, "Like it's Schindler's (laughs) Lifts." And I can't. No. Yes. All right. Well, we owe you. But, um, but yeah, that's one of those where I honestly don't know where I'd put that, <laughs> in, a, in a way it's surprise, and a way it's observation. Um, <laughs> yeah, and
2: you can whittle it down because the, the, the offensive
1: top. aspect would be the surprise. Well, the second type that I would, was not so much just observation, but recognition of saying, um uh, like, oh, yeah, I know that. As opposed to, and so that in some ways is a little bit of both because you recognize the, the twist on the title, but it's the surprise of you know context. Um, but I, I think it's, it's not so much observation as as it's, it's just you know it's funny because it's true sort of thing. As opposed to, it's funny because it was unexpected.
0: Yeah, there's certainly an element of um, I can't believe nobody saw this before and stopped it from happening. And there are a lot of jokes that got made that way. One
1: of my favorite examples like that was a big billboard a used
3: car lot that said, we're cheap and easy. Oh, I can beat that. I was driving in North Carolina, and I, I was headed to a, a family member's house, and there was this picture with two beautiful little blonde-haired girls and it was advertising a local candy company and it said come see us we're the best fudge packers ever and you know i i was driving by and my child was in the back and it was all i could do not to just you know pull over and bust and get because it's just one of those things like you put that on a billboard (laughs) yeah i don't remember
2: Oh,
0: well, because Tom Cruise works in the factory, That's that puts budget boxes budget. Right. You, um, another one of the used car ones, and this I really did see this in uh, Austin. We buy hot cars, and I know what they meant. But then again, I might have figured out what they meant in their clever code.
1: Patton Oswalt has a bit in his routine about uh, liquor ads. And he calls them the saddest short stories you will ever see. So it's, it's like... Jamie Scotch. At least one thing will go smooth today. And he's just thinking, what is your life like that you think of Scotch that way? It's like it's the one refuge you have in an awful life. Thank
0: God for my yummy, yummy Scotch.
1: And then there's another one, you know, the antidote to road rage. Oh. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: Lovely. Drink no, we have to assume
1: that what they mean is um, afterwards or after us to ride a little scotch. But it doesn't really specify Yeah.
0: Officer, no, the so billboard told you before
1: me. You drive. I'm just ripping off Pat Knoxville now. That table, you know, so now you can be a valedictorian for, what was it? Um,
0: oh, Columbia University or something? There was some uh, school where the valedictorian in his speech completely ripped off, like, three minutes of Patton Oswalt uh, stuff.
1: Fantastic.
0: I I mean, I only found out about it on Twitter because I'm following Patton Oswalt. The very first I heard of it was when he said, congratulations to the graduating class of uh, 2010 for whatever it was. And then he put a link to it where it jumps to exactly the point in his speech where he starts ripping off Patton Oswalt. And after that, man, we were off to the races. You know, Twitter was just like, oh, my God, I've heard this before. And... And uh, Patton Oswalt just—he had all the information about the guy—and within like 30 minutes, the uh, I think they yanked the video, and then they followed up by putting it back up and having a huge placard over the over the thing saying, "This section was originally written by Patton Oswalt and is used without permission, and you know we apologize for any you know, all that sort of stuff." But he was not happy. He was just going like, "This is the kind of academic level that they're teaching." Yeah, okay. I mean, he was just going after them. it. Was
1: awesome. Well, and it's interesting because um, on one of his albums, uh, Patton Oswalt has a section where he does an act that he saw in an open mic. But he makes it very clear: I saw this great performer in an open mic, but he was clearly a crazy person. There's no way he's ever. Been anywhere else, but this is the guy who did it, and, I'm now, and I was so incredible that I just have to share with you mm-hmm. guys what this was that I saw. But so he, he uses it, but he makes it very clear he's, he's doing it exactly from this other guy, gives him a credit for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I think that just raises... How many with footnotes?
3: Well, it's it's just,
1: it raises this whole interesting question of, like, open source and copyright and everything. And I'm sure, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, people... Comedians stealing each other's jokes—that's
3: you know, like I'm the oldest, to learn to learn. the oldest thing in the books. Though I mean, right. every and, it's, and it's just does. that fine line
1: between hearing somebody tell a joke and then telling a version of the same joke with your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. where does that cross the line from, you know, influence to theft? Yeah, and that's a hard question to answer. And
0: let me tell you something: as uh, somebody who's basically done a novelty show. Based around someone else's original intellectual property, it's a question I've uh, visited pretty uh, pretty often. I mean, for our show, uh, what we uh, what we've done is we've had to do the research. We've had to determine, you know, like who owns Cthulhu? Uh, is it uh, H. P. Lovecraft's?
1: Public uh, domain now, isn't
0: it? The actual text, "Call of Cthulhu," is not public. Do- is not public domain. Oddly, we don't know what it is. Uh, there are different people who are claiming that they own it and uh, it's just because it's in flux that they don't have an answer. See, but, I, 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 read it
1: it. Uh, I think Project, mm-hmm. Project that was presented saying this is a public domain.
0: Some people say that it is because based on copyright law, if it hasn't been claimed by this time then it should be. But there are people who are claiming it. There are others who say that their claim is invalid. It's going back and forth. So the one thing that I knew was I am not going to make a reference to Call of Cthulhu. I make no. Uh, I, t- I have no snippets. Uh, you know of the the very first paragraph of Call of Cthulhu is brilliant, and I wish I could put that on. You know, uh, we stand on a plateau of ignorance, and it was never meant that we should uh, reach far beyond it. Something like that. It's awesome, and I can't use it. I know I can't use it, but at the same time, the character of Cthulhu is owned by no one. Which is why you can make the video game Cthulhu Dark or- uh, uh, Dark Corners of the Earth. Uh, you can make the um, the open source. I want to say open source, but it was an uh, a independent film that they made uh, that individuals made. It's the way that they were able to make a Tory Spelling movie with Cthulhu without talking to anybody. I always put it that way: the Tory Spelling movie.
1: Uh, and then all the t-shirts. Uh, my favorite new one that I hadn't seen before this year was Broke Back Mountains of Madness.
0: Yes. I like that one. Although my favorite one has always been the Collect Call of Cthulhu. Uh, <laughs> drawn by the same guy. I can't remember his name right now. The one who did uh, Dork Tower. Oh, yeah? It's a brilliant... Uh, uh, did you just say
3: uh, Dork Tower? Dork Tower.
2: Kovalev?
0: Yes, uh, Kovalev. Uh, Andy Kovalev.
1: Sure.
0: I'm pretty sure that's it. It's sad when I can't remember the names of people who are much more popular than me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we had to pay attention to that really. Uh, we, we have to be very careful about that. So that was why we were doing things like when I wanted to introduce Xenu, I had to make sure, is Xenu owned by L. Ron Hubbard? Um, or anybody for that matter, as a public figure? Is it allowed well, to parody? According it? to
3: them, it's a historical figure. So yeah, I mean, yeah. really, oh, they can't exactly. On it.
0: exactly, since it's
2: a public figure. Admit it. Figure, uh-huh. Admit it. <laughs> yeah. Sue me for copyright infringement and invalidate your religion.
1: It just, it just reminds me of the, the, the way that South Park ended their Scientology episode of essentially all the Scientologists saying they were going to sue Stan, and he's like, oh, yeah, just do it. Bring it on. <laughs> That's why I
0: started off the uh, the Scientology episode with a huge warning.
1: Well, yeah. So I mean, clearly that's it's funny, but they also have sufficient resources to deal with the problem if Scientologists starting to actually try to sue them. Oh
0: God, yes.
3: yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't think Scientology actually wants to go to court. I mean, they've got too much to lose if they lose. <laughs> but they have gone to court.
0: They've. They've. Uh, really yeah.
3: Yeah, but I mean, against. I Something like you know an what, organization in size that's got you know their own legal department block. Yeah, <laughs> but it's going
2: to be something that'll out
0: them like.
1: Yeah. That. Well, yeah. So probably they're going to choose their targets based on who actually has money. Yeah.
0: And honestly, I think they're getting better. Um, I say it like it's you know, there's a, a good and a bad to lawsuits, but um, they they used to be threatening lawsuits for all sorts of things. Uh, last one I can remember was when someone put an unedited uh, video of Tom Cruise in an interview where he was talking about the superpowers of Scientologists. And at first, they at first they edited it just for the funny bits. And then the Scientologists got really mad and they tried to have it yanked. But by that time, everybody had it, so they were putting it up on YouTube faster than it was getting taken down. So then they said that it was um, it was defamatory and because they had edited it to make him look like a fool. And then whoever it was that originally put it up there put the entire unedited version up there, and now we got two versions, and it's the Streisand effect. And I like to think that they've learned the Streisand effect enough to say, here's something bad, uh, something that looks bad on us, but we're going to let it go. Yeah.
3: Um, I mean, really, real religious humor aside, uh, you now have... France banning Scientology, and I think the funny aspect is, you know, all the jokes about France not fighting anyone, now they're picking on a fictitious quote-unquote religion, and and I think that's humorous in and of itself.
0: I think recently Germany declared them a cult. Yeah. I could be wrong, uh, but I seem to remember uh, that. So, how
2: should we wind this down?
3: <laughs>
0: I'll swallow your soul.
3: Well, we were talking about copyright. We could always sing happy birthday. <laughs>
2: uh, I, I know how <laughs> yeah. 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 I always like to ask those people who are, when I get to interview if they will indulge me this way. I'm always jealous of people who can do voices, something I've never been able to do.
0: I was wondering
2: if I could speak to Cthulhu. No.
0: No, I'm kidding. Actually, you, you want to do it? I would like to
2: ask Cthulhu. Go for it. What do uh, you got? Cthulhu, what do you find funny? What makes Cthulhu laugh?
3: Mel Brooks once said,
0: Tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when you fall down a sewer hole and die. I want something more. It takes a lot more than that to make me laugh, buddy, and I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna laugh hard when I eat all of you. You're all gonna be falling into the sewer hole of my ham funnel. Since we've been dealing with copyright and attribution, I have to give props out to Woody Allen for that joke from uh, uh, What's New Tiger Lily, I think, where they cut away from the actual movie to show Woody Allen in a studio where he was sitting across from someone who says, for those who are just now entering into the film, perhaps you could take a moment and explain to them where we are in the story. And Woody Allen uh, took a moment and looked out at the camera and said, No and then they went back to the film it was <laughs> absolutely
2: amazing. brilliant I love that well thank you very much Brain Gamlin. also thank you very much Sally we appreciate it we still thank you oh princess Summer. Uh, there she is somewhere she's still uh, sleeping in there